Hey everybody, I'm Alec, and this is Scandal 101. Hi, how are you doing? I am doing pretty well. I am currently in the process of moving across the country from Iowa to California, so it's going to be a lot of time in the car for me, but I am excited for a new chapter, and I'm excited to see what comes up next in life. But yes, I hope you are doing well. Um, A reason why I chose this episode is, one, because I'm from Iowa, so when all of this was going down about two or three years ago, I remember it pretty vividly, just checking the local news and then also made national news headlines, so it's... There's a personal connection for me, which is why part of the reason why I chose it, but it's also just very interesting to look at someone's upbringing and to look at their journey to Congress and ultimately what led to their downfall. Um, Kind of similar to the Delta Kappa Epsilon episode, This, I'll just put a disclaimer in here that I am going to be talking about a person for this episode, I'm going to be talking about statements that he made publicly, um, I'm going to be looking at his voting record and issues that he had stances on. Everyone is allowed to have their opinion. I have mine. You can have yours. Steve King had his. I'm going to be reporting facts on the information I could find. I will be citing my sources. You can look at all my show notes. If there are things that I say about Steve King, most of them are going to be stuff that he said, which I will make sure that I am very clear that I am quoting Steve King. If I say my opinion, I'll be sure to put it out there that that is my opinion but everything that I'm going to be talking about is backed by things that actually happened you can have your opinions I have mine but at the end of the day what I'm mostly going to be talking about is stuff that actually happened that is recorded with that disclaimer out of the way we are going to get started into congressman or I guess I should say former congressman Steve King's scandalous comments What I'm going to do first is I'm going to give you background on Steve King, kind of like where he grew up, what his life circumstances were. I'm going to talk about his beliefs while he was in Congress based on his public statements and his voting record. And then finally, we are going to go through kind of a timeline of his controversial statements and then ultimately the big one that led to his downfall. Once again, There are some hot topic issues that are going to be talked about. I'm going to try to stay as objective as possible when I'm reporting to you what happened, but when I have my opinion, I will make it clear that it's my opinion, and also it's my podcast. So if you want to share your opinion, by all means, let me know on social media, send me a DM, or create your own podcast that other people can listen to. And the last thing I will say before we dive in is if you want the show notes before or after listening, you can find those at scandal101podcast.podbean.com. Alrighty, so some background information on former Congressman Steve King. Steve King was born in Storm Lake, Iowa on May 28th, 1949, and he was raised in Denison, Iowa. And some of my information from this um, background part of the episode comes from Ballotpedia, an article by Hayworth in the Sioux City Journal a source called Offenberger, and then just a little bit of information from the Wikipedia page of Steve King. Once again, you can see how all of that breaks down in the show notes. 
Like I said, he was raised in Denison, Iowa, and from Steve King's own description of his childhood, it sounded like it was pretty normal and kind of almost like an like an Americana American stereotype. Like, for example, he said that his mother would put pot roasts in the oven, he learned to hunt with his father, his dad briefly served as a town mayor in Iowa, he said that he went on fishing trips, he played baseball games, and he also said he planted trees along the Iowa River. He said in that Hayworth article, quote, You know, I don't have a family sob story of any kind, end quote. So from pretty much all accounts, including accounts directly from Steve King, his childhood sounded pretty picturesque, pretty uneventful in terms of traumatic things, which is great. It seems like just from everything I could find, he grew up with kind of what you would stereotype as small town values, which in no no way is bad at all, but it's just kind of family. He talked a lot about going to church when he was younger, just just those kind of values, which I think is pretty common when you are in the Midwest, especially in small-town Midwest. He graduated from high school in Denison in 1967 and then decided to attend Northwest Missouri State University, which another reason why I looked into that, because I went to college there. He said that at first he was a math major, but ultimately switched to biology because he was wanting to become a forest ranger, and during, I think it was he said during his third year, like during the summer after his third year, he had started looking for jobs as a forest ranger, but he wasn't having any luck, and he went back home and started working construction. He started making some good money as he progressed in that field, and he ultimately decided to not go back and finish his degree, but instead to pursue construction. Which one thing I think is construction is a job that is way overlooked in terms of a good paying job. I know it is, I mean, I've never done construction, but from people who have, they've told me it's definitely hard work. You are going to probably be exhausted, but it is a way to make a good living and you definitely don't have to go to school for it. The main thing I'm just getting at is like school's not for everyone. And I don't think there should be any negative connotations derived from people who choose not to go to college because there are plenty of great career opportunities for people who don't want to go to college. For what I wanted to do, college was the way for me, and I like going to school, but a lot of people don't, and that is fine. After leaving college and working construction for a few years, he ended up marrying his high school sweetheart, who was named Marilyn Kelly, and they got married on June 17th, 1972. And that date is kind of ironic just because it is the same day as the Watergate scandal break-in. Watergate scandal? Why was that so hard for me to say? But as far as I could find, they are still married to this day, and they have had three children to come from their marriage, which, like, good for them, because that's almost 50 years of marriage, so congrats to those two. After his marriage in 1972, it seems like he kept working construction, and ultimately in 1976 started his own construction business called King Construction. If I were to have the last name of King, anything I would do, I would just put King whatever in front of it. So, like... If I were to make a cup of coffee, I'd be like, King Coffee. Not even a business, just like, this is a King cup of coffee, and everyone would probably be annoyed with me, but that's okay, because everything would be King. 
After starting his business, he said that the first few years were a bit of a struggle, but eventually the business did become successful. He said that he really started to question the federal government after his business was audited a couple of times by the, IR the IRS. And I think this is kind of when, at least from what I could find, he started to look at a way to get involved with the government. In 2008, he said that after walking out of the interaction with the IRS, quote, I want rid of the IRS, end quote. Eventually, it seemed like this motivated him to run, and he ran for the Iowa State Senate in 1996, and that was his first elected position that he ever had. He was elected as a Republican, and he served in the Iowa State Senate until 2002. In 2002, he ran and won for a seat in the United States House of Representatives. He originally served in Iowa's 5th district until 2010 when redistricting happens. And essentially what redistricting is, is every 10 years, census data comes out. And based on that data, they redraw districts based on the population. So after that happened in 2010, he ran in what was Iowa's 4th district and won and started serving there in 2012, and he served that district until he ultimately lost the Republican primary in June 2020 to Randy Feenstra by almost 10 percentage points. And he did technically stay in office until Randy Feenstra took office, but it was clear he was going to be done serving once he lost that Republican primary in June 2020. And the reason I mentioned how much he lost by was in the 2018 primary, he won by almost 50 percentage points. So he had gone in two years from winning by 50 percentage points to losing by 10 percentage points. And that is a huge difference. That kind of sums up his background. And the other thing I want to share before we get into his controversial statements is what some of his beliefs were based on his voting record, because that will kind of give you some context for the things he said. Not that his beliefs will justify some of the things that he said, but it does provide some context that is important. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, as a disclaimer, these are his beliefs based on his voting record. If I have an opinion on it, I will be sure to preface it by stating that it is my opinion. These are his beliefs based on his voting record. You have your opinions, I have mine, but this is the information that is out there. Where I found a lot of my information for his actual voting record was a website called On the Issues, and it is a wonderful website where you can look up pretty much any politician and they track everything that they have voted on and kind of what the breakdown of the vote or the bill was, so you can get a pretty clear picture on what the politician believed based on how they voted. And there is a lot of different studies on how representatives vote, whether it's based on their opinion or based on the district that they represent. But in theory, a representative is supposed to be representative of the people that they are representing. So you would assume that the person in Congress has similar beliefs to a majority of their district because that's how they get into office is being voted and the person who gets the most votes wins. It seems like Steve King was a big fan of the English language, and that may seem like sarcastic or kind of witty, but he introduced the English Language Unity Act in 2005, which would have made English the official language of the United States. 
This information about the English language topic comes from a New York Times article by Gabriel as well as the Census Bureau in a 2015 article they put out. But like I said, he introduced that English Language Unity Act in 2005 to make English the official language of the United States, and it is important to note that as of today, which is July 2021, there is no official legal language of the United States. English is the most spoken language in the United States, but according to the Census Bureau, in 2015, there are around 350 language or language groups that are spoken in homes across the United States, so even though English is the most, most widely used and spoken, it is not an official language of the United States as according to the laws. And the reason why I say he really seemed to enjoy the English language and be a big fan of it is after the bill not passing in 2005, he reintroduced the bill in 2007, 2009, 2011, 2013, 2015, 2017, and 2019. So he tried to introduce this bill eight times in total while he was in Congress and it failed every time. And my opinion on it is. English is already the most spoken language, and we have such a diverse group of people in the country. What good is it going to do to make it the official language of the United States? Like, what is that going to accomplish? I don't really see the good that the bill is going to do. I feel like there are a lot of other issues that could have been tackled at the time, and this is kind of like a feel-good bill where it, yes, does something, but it really doesn't help a lot of the issues that are actually going on. On top of being an apparent fan of the English language, he also was very much pro-life slash anti-abortion, whatever you want to categorize it in, but he was very pro-life. For example, he voted yes to ban federal health care coverage that includes abortion. A lot of this information comes from that on the issues site. He wanted to declare preborn fetuses as a person under the 14th Amendment, which that's such a complicated issue. And then lastly, he voted yes to ban interstate transport of teenagers across state lines to go get an abortion. Like, if you couldn't get one in your state, if teenagers went to go get one in another state, he voted yes to ban that from happening. I'm not going to dive into what my opinion is on abortion or the pro-choice or pro-life matter. It really won't add anything to the conversation, but that is just important background for stuff that he said later. And then the last issue I want to look at for Steve King in terms of what he supported is multiculturalism and immigration. And there's no way we were going to cover every issue, but those are three big ones that kind of seemed to correlate with a lot of the controversial things he said, which ultimately kind of led to his downfall. In terms of multiculturalism and immigration, he voted yes to building a fence along the Mexican and United States border. He sponsored a bill that would have changed the way people become citizens. So currently, if you are born in the United States, you are considered a citizen whether or not your parents have legal status as citizens or if they are undocumented. Currently, that's what the law is. He wanted to change it to where if both of the parents were undocumented, the child would not be a U.S. citizen. It would have to be at least one parent who was a legal citizen for the child to be a citizen. 
And again, I'm just saying this as background so you can know who he is and what he believes before we dive into his controversial statements, which is going to happen right now. For these controversial statements, I mainly used the Gabriel article from the New York Times. It is an excellent article, and the article is formatted literally like a timeline with his statements, and he sourced out to where he got those statements. So unless I specifically note something coming from a different source, all of this information is coming from Gabriel's article in the New York Times. First up, in 2005, this isn't so much a controversial statement necessarily as it is a controversial action, but Steve King sued the Iowa Secretary of State for posting voting information on an official government website in the languages of Spanish, Laotian, Bosnian, and Vietnamese. Okay, here's where my opinion is going to start. Steve King was suing the Iowa State government for posting information on voting to make it more accessible for people who do not speak English. Let that sink in for a second. Steve King was opposed to expanding access to voting, which is a constitutional right in this country for people who are citizens. Again, there is no official language of the United States, even though English is the most commonly spoken language in the United States. As we noted earlier, there are over 350 languages. Why, as an elected official, would someone want to make voting harder by limiting access to only English, or suing that it was in another language other than English? I can come up with my own reasons. I think those reasons have been highlighted in news over the past six to seven months. It's just, I, I feel safe saying it was more than just a love for the English language that he had going for him. I'm not going to accuse him of anything. You can draw your own conclusions, but I think the fact that he was opposed to expanding information on voting in other languages than English is pretty telling, and that was back in 2005, and this timeline goes through 2018, so just be prepared. In 2006, at a rally in Las Vegas, Steve King said that the deaths of American citizens by undocumented immigrants was, quote, a slow-motion holocaust, end quote. I have many thoughts on this. First of all, are you kidding me? You are going to compare the holocaust where at least 6 million people died, to American citizens being hurt slash murdered by undocumented immigrants. And I'm not trying to downplay anyone who gets murdered in the United States. Murder is an awful thing. No one deserves to be murdered. But one murder is not anywhere close to the unspeakable tragedy that the Holocaust was. People in the Holocaust were targeted mainly because of their faith. I know there were other things going on, but it was mainly because of their faith. Random crimes in the United States, unless they are documented hate crimes, really have no comparison to that. Like I said before, no one deserves to be murdered. Crime and murder are awful. But when you're comparing it to something like the Holocaust, that is, in my opinion, 
makes you seem like the most stupid and ignorant person out there. Like, are you joking? And to further, uh, I guess, support the fact that I am outraged by this is a study titled Comparing Crime Rates Between Undocumented Immigrants, Legal Immigrants, and Native-Born U.S. Citizens in Texas. That's the title. It's kind of a long title. It was published in 2020, and it found that there is a lower felony rate of undocumented immigrants when compared to legal immigrants and native-born U.S. citizens. What that means is undocumented immigrants, at least where the study looked in Texas, committed less crimes than citizens and people who are legal immigrants. So Steve King's statement is not even backed up by research because U.S. citizens and legal immigrants are causing more crime than undocumented immigrants. If you're going to say something, and I recognize that this study was not out at the time of when Steve King made this statement, but I hear this statement a lot today when talking about undocumented immigrants. If you're going to make a statement, at least have the facts to back up your statement. And if you're making that statement, you don't have evidence to support your claim. Yes, there are cases of that happening, but when compared to the larger picture of crime, undocumented immigrants are contributing very little crime compared to legal immigrants and native-born U.S. citizens compared to undocumented immigrants. Next up, in 2010, Steve King said how illegal immigrants can be spotted. He said, quote, what kind of clothes people wear, what kind of shoes people wear, what kind of accents they have. Sometimes it's just a sixth sense they can't put their finger on, end quote. Okay, that statement is problematic. You're saying that all illegal immigrants wear certain types of clothing, certain types of shoes. You're saying that all illegal immigrants have the same accent. Okay, so illegal immigrants from Canada have the same accent as illegal immigrants from Mexico. Illegal immigrants from Germany have the same accent as illegal immigrants from uh, Madagascar, we could say. Does that not make sense? Because that's what you're saying, that if it, it should apply, so why doesn't it make sense? Oh, because you're profiling. You are heavily profiling, and that is so problematic. And the fact that an elected official was doing that openly uh, is... I don't want to, it's not surprising, but it is problematic. Alrighty, next up in 2012, Steve King served on a panel with a known white nationalist and said the following about multiculturalism, quote, a tool for the left to subdivide a culture and civilization into our own little ethnic enclaves and pit us against each other, end quote. I just... I'll let you digest that one on your own because I, I can't even gather my thoughts on, on that one. In 2013, Steve King said the following about the Dreamer program and people who go through it and become DACA recipients. Quote, For everyone who is a valid Victorian, there's another 100 out there that weigh 130 pounds and they've got calves the size of cantaloupes because they're hauling 75 pounds of marijuana across the desert those people would be legalized with the same act, end quote. So that's not problematic at all, and I don't really see anything wrong with that statement, right? Mm, wrong. That is, the word stereotype, I guess, would describe this, but it's so much more harmful 
because you are describing children coming into the country under an act that was meant to bring them in, and you are using harmful stereotypes to shoot down the program, and in so hurting a lot of the kids who are going through that program. That is not okay. In 2015, Steve King invited an anti-Islam Dutch politician to the United States Capitol and took a picture with him. That anti-Islam politician said that Islam was, quote, not a religion, end quote. He then praised Steve King for, quote, having the guts to speak out, end quote. In 2016, Steve King claimed at a Republican National Convention that non-white groups have not contributed as much as white groups to civilization. Also in 2016, Steve King meets with leaders from the far-right Freedom Party in Austria, which was founded in the 1950s by former Nazis. So that's cool. In 2017, Steve King posted on Twitter, quote, Mixing cultures will not lead to a higher quality of life, but a lower one, end quote. And again, he is a representative in a country that has more than 350 languages, that brings many people from all over the world into the country to most of them to strive for a better life or to just improve their quality of life. And yet that is going to lead to a lower quality of life. I say with a question mark, in 2018, Steve King was asked by a reporter for the Huffington Post if he is a white nationalist or a white supremacist. I think the fact that he was asked that says a lot of things, but then he responded with, quote, I don't answer those questions, end quote. He goes on, but is it really that hard to answer that question? My answer would be no. I think I should say I hope a lot of people's answers would be no. Um, I have my opinions about that. I kind of just shared them. But yeah, he so he didn't answer. He answered the question with saying he doesn't answer those types of questions. So that's cool. Lastly, here's kind of the big one that made a lot of national news. In 2019, in a New York Times article, Steve King said the following, quote, white nationalist, white supremacist, Western civilization? How did that language become offensive? Why did I sit in classes teaching me about the merits of our history and our civilization? End quote. He did later come out and say that he rejected the labels of white nationalist and white supremacist, and that comes from an article um, that was published in Politico in 2019 but I think the harm of his statement was already done at that point. His comments were met with a lot of outrage, and he was heavily punished. Um, he was stripped of his committees in Congress. He received criticism from both sides of the aisle, and I don't know if you paid a lot of attention to politics in 2019, but it was very heavily divided. Republican Representative McCarthy said the following about Steve's comments. Quote, Steve's remarks are beneath the dignity of the party of Lincoln and the United States of America. His comments call into question whether he will treat all Americans equally without regard for race and ethnicity, end quote. That brings up that last quote of not answering uh, the question about him being a white nationalist. I think Republican Representative McCarthy's question is kind of a good one because it does call into question whether he will treat all Americans equally equally, especially in regard to race and ethnicity. One quote that not only wraps up 
Steve King's comments well, but also this episode, is, quote, Over the years, Steve King has made increasingly more xenophobic and racist statements, and this is from Representative Joaquin Castro, a Democrat from Texas. He is the chairman of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus. Quote, King's rhetoric, plus the president's bigoted statements about immigrants, Native Americans, and people of color, engender a climate of racial and ethnic intolerance among some Americans. Those words have a real impact and endanger some Americans' daily lives, end quote. And that is the story of former Congressman Steve King's scandalous words and actions. Like I said, he did end up losing his 2020 Republican primary and was out of office when uh, Feenstra was sworn in in early 2021, so Steve King is no longer representing Iowa or people in the United States in Congress. But yeah, like I said, these were statements and quotes that Steve King said and did. I shared my opinion throughout the episode. You're allowed to have your opinion. I'm allowed to have mine. Um, but yeah, Whew, coming out of that kind of dark place, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I realize that this isn't necessarily as big of a scandal as like the McDonald's scandal or maybe even... Uh, Delta Kappa Epsilon scandal, but it still is a scandal, and it is interesting when elected officials choose to say certain things or act in a certain way that does end up becoming a scandal. I want to thank you so much for listening. If you would like to follow on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Scandal101Podcast, on Twitter at Scandal101Pod, on Facebook if you search Scandal101Podcast, and like I said at the beginning, if you want the show notes or you can listen on Podbean, that is scandal101podcast.podbean.com. There is a link tree on the website and the social media pages that link out to the other social medias as well as where you can listen to the podcast. I will see you next week, and this has been Episode 7 of Scandal 101.